0: Good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time together this morning to be in your word. And we know it's your word from your heart to ours. We love hearing your voice. We want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We know your word is truth. And so speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Teach us. Instruct us. God, we need the transforming work of your spirit in our lives this morning. We don't want to leave here unchanged, but changed, Lord, challenged, encouraged, edified. So Lord, have your way in our hearts and in this place this morning for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. So just a little, um, a little intro this morning. There are three basic uh, interpretations or approaches to the book of Revelation. The first one is allegorical. And this approach that people take um, interprets everything symbolically. Listen, this morning, we will not be taking that approach. The second approach is historical. That approach interprets everything as in the book as already fulfilled um, by 70 AD. We will not be taking that approach. The approach we will take, like we do in all the books that we study, is the literal approach. God says what he means. Amen? Amen? And he means what he says. Now, with that, we take God at his word unless something in the grammar tells us differently where we, need to, where we need to make an adjustment on things. But here's the deal. Check this out. There's 404 verses in the book. How many are there? 400 and what? Four. 404 verses. Check this out. There's 550 references back to the Old Testament. That's a lot, isn't it? five, oh, probably over 550, 550 references back to the Old Testament. That tells me we should have uh, a working knowledge of the Old Testament. We will be going back. I'm going to help you guys. I'm going to be learning myself as we go back to the Old Testament and learning these things. Um, The best commentary for the Bible is the Bible itself. So we will be going back, looking at different verses that correlate and help us to understand things in this book. Because a lot of times I hear, you know, oh, it's so hard to understand. It's so difficult. It's, and, and there are some difficult spots. But listen, I believe God intends for us to understand his word. Because it comes straight from his heart to us. And what's interesting is you're studying your Old Testament as you're going through and, and, and reading different things. It's hard to kind of piece some things together about end times. And yet the book of Revelation gives us the framework where all of those Old Testament scriptures begin to fit together to give us an understanding of of what God wants us to know about Jesus, about end time events, and so forth. So, and what's so awesome too, is that Jesus gives us the outline for the whole book. Did you know that? Jesus, check this out. Jesus gives us the outline. It's a divine outline It's an outline for the entire book to help us out. It's found in verse 19 of the first chapter. Look at chapter 1 with me. Verse 19, we're given the outline for the entire book. Jesus says, he's speaking to the Apostle John, and he gives him some instructions. And he says, Write the things which you have seen, number one, and the things which are, number two, and the things which will take place after this, Number three, did you guys catch that? So Jesus says to John, number one, I want you to write down the things which you have seen. That is chapter one. John will see Jesus glorified, awesome, beautiful. He's on the island of Patmos. And so he's told to write that down. Second thing he's to write down are the things which are. That will be in chapter two and chapter three. The letters that Jesus gives to seven literal historical churches during John's day, the things which are. And we'll talk about that more because it applies to us as well. And then third, he says, write down the things which what? Which will happen or take place after this. That's chapter four all the way to the end of the book, chapter 22. Are you with me this morning? Jesus, our Lord, wants us to understand this, to understand his word. And so, three very simple outline for us. The first five words of the book are the most important words of this book. Look what it says to me. The revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of the Apostle John. Some of your Bibles may say that at the top. The revelation of the Apostle John. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist. It's not the revelation of something else. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because people ask me, Pastor, who do you think the Antichrist is? Is it, is it Putin? Is it this guy? Is it, you know, is it SpongeBob? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. He said to be looking, to watching, to be waiting for him, to be about his business. The word revelation means, in Greek, it's apocalypsis, in which we get the word Apocalypse, right? But it's interesting because you kind of think, when you hear the word apocalypse, what comes to mind? Like some of us maybe zombie apocalypse or, you know, it's bizarre. You think of weird things when it comes to apocalypse. But the word means, it means revelation means to unveil. It means to disclose, to reveal. The, The picture is, you know when they have like a brand new car that comes out and maybe it hasn't been shown yet and it's covered with a sheet and everybody gathers around at the, at the car company, and they're waiting for this unveiling of this new car. You guys know what I'm talking about? Or it could be a statue, and they got a, they got a sheet covering it, and they do like a countdown. One, two, three, and whoosh, the veil comes. The, it gets lifted off, and then you get to see this new car, and everybody does what? Oh, that's so awesome. What a beautiful car. What an awesome statue or whatever. This is the unveiling or the revealing of Jesus Christ, we get to see him in all his beauty, all his splendor, all his majesty. God wants us to see Jesus, listen, in a fresh and a new way this morning. Isn't that cool? The Apostle John, he was somewhere like 90 years old at this time. He needed a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. He walked with Jesus, spent time with Jesus, walked with the Lord for decades, and he was in need of a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. This morning, we are in need of seeing Jesus in a new way. And we see Jesus in the Gospels. We see Him in the Old Testament. We see Him in the New Testament. But God wants us to get a bigger picture of who He is with more clarity. His desire, the Father's desire, is to reveal the Son. Look what it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. So God the Father, his desire is to reveal the Son. You guys, are you with me still? God the Father's desire is to reveal the Son to who? Look what it says in that verse. To His servants. Are you His servant this morning? Do you serve Jesus this morning? You guys serve Jesus? right? Jesus said no man can serve two masters. Are you His slave? That's what the word means, slave. Do you live to serve Jesus Christ? If so, the revelation is for you. Again, God wants us to see something new and fresh about Jesus. And remember... James, Peter, and John got a sneak preview of this. You guys, remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? Anybody remember that? Jesus took James, Peter, and John up the mountain. Do you remember why they went up there? To, for a prayer meeting, right? And so they get up to the top of the mountain. They begin to pray. And what happened to James, Peter, and John? What did they do? They fell asleep, didn't they? And Jesus is transfigured. His deity began to shine through his humanity. He was, he was transformed. He began to shine. And remember who showed up at the same time? Moses and, Moses and Elijah also showed up, right? And then all of a sudden the guys wake up and, and Peter opens his mouth, right? Peter opens his mouth. And says, Lord, it is so good for us to be here. Let us build three monuments for you guys and, 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 and three tents and, and, and why don't we'll set up a coffee shop over here and, and we'll do. And remember what happened? God interrupted him, right? Does God ever inter- interrupt you <laughs> opening your mouth? The glory cloud came. God the Father enveloped them, surrounded them. And then all of a sudden, the voice from heaven, from the cloud, from God, said what? This is my beloved son. Hear him. Peter, you're trying to elevate Moses and Elijah. I'm elevating my son. Moses and Elijah, they, they, that speaks of the, the law and the prophets. My son came to fulfill the law and the prophets. I'm lifting him up. I'm magnifying him. You need to see and you need to hear him. We need, listen, we need to hear from him this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord, we've come hungering and thirsting for Jesus, for His Word, and gathering together to receive from Him. Listen, if you're His servant, you're going to hear from Him. He wants to speak to your heart. And not just that, He wants us to know Him more. But notice, He wants to show us things. Look at the middle of verse 1. Things which must shortly take place. Shortly means quickly, swiftly, speedily, or rapidly. God's shortly is different than ours, isn't it? Isn't his shortly way different than our shortly? His timing is way different. And so from God's perspective, so it can either mean from God's perspective it's going to happen shortly, because it says in 2 Peter, uh, with the Lord a day is as, is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. <laughs> right? Not is, it's like or as. And so either from God's perspective, it's speaking of shortly, or it can also mean once these events begin to happen that we read about, it will happen with greater rapidity, greater swiftness. It's kind of like, anybody ever set up dominoes? You guys, anybody know what dominoes are? Those little black things with the white dots? I don't know what they're all for, but numbers. If you set those up, right, like cool pattern and stuff, what happens when you hit that first one? goes fast, doesn't it? And all of a sudden, it's hit the end. Boom. That's, I believe, what it's speaking about here. Once these events begin to unfold, what's spoken about here, it's going to happen with swiftness, with quickness, with rapidity. And then at the end of verse 1, we're told how the book came about. The Lord commissioned um, His angel to make the revelation known to John. Which John is this? Is this John the Baptist? No. No. Which John? The... John the... Apostle, yeah, we'll talk about him in just a moment. So notice John did three things in verse 2. He bore witness. What does it mean to bear witness? It means to testify. It means to go on record. It means to give testimony. So John went on record. He testified to three things. Look at number one. He did what? He declared the Bible is true, the Word of God. He testified that the Bible is true. Second, he bore witness to what? The testimony of Jesus Christ. He declared who Jesus is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And then third, John declared what he saw. All the things that he saw. And John, listen, John will see lots of things in this revelation, by the way. And here, this is so important. John is doing the best he can. Check this out. John is doing the best he can to communicate the things that he sees and the things that he hears. He's doing the best he can to relay those to us. But I look at this, and I think there's something applicable for you and I today. We, too, can do this. We, too, can bear record of God's Word. This is what God's Word says, can't we? Do you know there's people in your life that need to hear God's Word? There's people that you're going to come in contact with this week that need God's Word? That that's truly what everyone needs is the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You may need to give counsel this week. People need to hear the word of God, you guys. We need to declare the word of God. But not only can we declare the word of God, but we can declare who Jesus is, can we not? Do you know Jesus personally? We talk about the things we love, don't we? Do you love Jesus? If you love Jesus, you will be speaking about him. You you will declare who he is. Here's here's the one I've come in contact with, the one I've met, the one I love. I want to share him with you. Here's why my life is different. Here's why this is happening, what's going on in my life. Do you know Jesus personally? We can talk about Jesus. We can declare Jesus. We can go on record about Jesus, can we not, like John did? But the third thing is, also, we can do this. We can declare what God has done in our lives. The things we've seen. can we? Is God doing great things in your life? Amen. Do you know that people need to hear that? Not what you're doing great, but what He's doing great in your life. Because why? As you testify those great things that God is doing, not just when we sing songs, but as you're sharing with people, it's a testimony to the greatness of our God. And there's people that need Him. There's people that need to come to know Him, that are heading to hell apart from Him, that are, that are, that are dealing with crisis and difficulty that you can share your testimony that God has done great things. Has he been faithful to you? Has he been good to you? He has, has he not? We can declare these things. So not only is God revealing his son to us, but he wants to reveal his son through us. Does that make sense? Not only does he want to reveal the son to us, but reveal his son through us also. So beautiful. Look at verse 3. Anybody here want to be blessed this morning? Did anybody come to church saying I don't want to be blessed, you know? Or you know what? I've got too much blessing in my life. I can't take any more. You want to be blessed? Anybody want to be blessed this morning? Look at verse 3. Check this out. This is so great. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. Why? For is a reason word. For the time is near. Did you catch that? That threefold blessing. That's a guaranteed blessing, gang. The blessing first is what? Well, first of all, what does blessed mean? You guys know what blessed means? Happy. Happy. Oh, how happy is the man. It also means satisfied. It also means satiated. That you would be satisfied also. You will be satisfied. You will be happy. You will be blessed. It also means to spiritually prosper. Anybody here want to spiritually prosper? Thrive in the things of God's kingdom spiritually? You'll be blessed, number one, by doing what? By simply reading this book. And how many people avoid this book? When when you first get saved, it's the first book you want to read and, and understand. It's like... But listen, so many churches avoid teaching this book. So many churches go off the wall teaching this book. And I think it's, again, it's so simple as we work our way through together, as we simply do what? As we simply read it, you're going to be blessed. Number two, simply hearing it as I'm reading it to you or as you go home and read it, you will be blessed also. And then third, keeping those things which are written in it. That word keep means to guard, to preserve, to preserve, it means to cherish or to treasure. Like, like, like the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, against thee. Doing the word of God. So there's this beautiful picture. You'll be just as you, you'll, you'll be blessed as you do what's instructed in this book. There will be instruction for us. When we, get to the, when we get to chapter two and chapter three, there will be adjustments that you and I need to make, brother or sister, There'll be adjustments that we need to make spiritually in our in our own walk with the Lord, in our some of us, for some of us in our marriages, in our families, with the ministries that God has entrusted to us. We will be needing to make some adjustments and they're good adjustments because we want to be a church, we want to be a people that pleases our Lord. Amen to that. Yes. To to bless him. And so we'll be blessed by hearing, by reading. And the picture is a pastor, a pastor that is reading the book of Revelation, the congregation listening with hearts hungering, ears that are tuned in, a mind that's attentive, and then not just that, but then doing what God wants us to do and applying it in our lives. And so, God wa- do you know God wants to speak to you this morning? Do you know that God wants to speak to you this morning, brothers and sisters? Isn't that a beautiful thing? God Almighty, how great and awesome, wants to speak to you personally this morning. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So as we tune in, the Lord wants to speak to your heart. This is the way, walk in it. I want you to follow me in this direction, to go this way. The Lord loves you so much. Your life is in his hands. He's your shepherd. And so notice, it says the time is near right at the end of that verse, the end of verse 3. That word near means at hand or to squeeze. In other words, the times, <laughs> the times are closing in on us, guys. The times are closing in. As you look around the world today, things are ramping up. We're getting closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ, the revealing of Jesus Christ in all his splendor and beauty. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, John says, or John writes, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. So it's awesome. So we know right up front who's writing. It's from John. We mentioned a moment ago, it's John the Apostle. You guys remember John from the Gospels? What did he leave behind to follow Jesus? He dropped his, his fishing nets, right? He left a fishing business, James and John, right? To follow Jesus. He was one of the original 12 disciples, apostles. He, lay, he laid his head on Jesus' chest, hearing the heartbeat of God. Can you imagine? He was there at the cross, Remember when Jesus said to him, this is your mother, this is your son to Mary? He was there, he ran to the tomb. Right? He outran Peter. (laughs) Let's us know that. He saw Jesus risen. He's the writer of the Gospel of John. He also wrote, what else did he write? You guys remember? First, second, and... Third John. He's the writer of Revelation. As an old apostle, when he was an elderly man, he was still at the church of Ephesus. Church history tells us when the church would gather together like this, they would bring him, they would carry him in and bring him up to the front like this. You know what he would share with everybody? Everybody would be waiting to hear from the great apostle John who walked with Jesus. And you know what he would say? My little children love one another. That was it. And they take him off. Because love is central, you guys. Jesus said, you'll know my disciples by their love for one another. That's what it's all about, you guys, is love. Without love, it's profits us nothing. He would come up there and say that. And to think about the though, think about this for him for a minute. He Remember what the nickname that Jesus gave him and his brother? The sons of wispy white clouds. Gentle breezes through the meadows. What was the name he gave them? Sons of, Sons of Thunder. I mean, can you map these? They probably had cut off t shirts <laughs> riding up, you know. They've got, you know, jewelry from the pet store, you know, the, the leather with the, you know what I'm talking about, just <laughs> rough and tumble de- Here they come cruising in. They're Harley donkey. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Sons of thunder. Oh, pastor, you're taking that, you're stretching that a little too far, really? Do you remember when they went to that Samaritan village and they didn't want to receive Jesus? What did James and John say? Lord, should we call down fire and burn them? Turn and burn ministry here. We'll burn them, Lord. We'll toast these cats. Remember what the Lord said? (laughs) Time out. You don't know what spirit you're of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. I would say he was a little rough around the edges. Is anyone here? I don't need to show hands. A little rough around the edges? But remember what he became after walking with Jesus. He became known as the apostle of love. Listen, Jesus knocks off rough edges. Are you with me? Do you know that the people in our church, they have rough edges too, besides yourself? Do you know that Jesus is working on them, too, knocking off their rough edges. Is Jesus patient with you? Guess who we need to be patient with? One another, as those rough edges are getting knocked off. Listen, church history also tells us that I think it was Domitian, the Roman emperor, that tried to kill the Apostle John. He was the only apostle that wasn't martyred physically. And you know what they tried to do? They they tried to throw him in oil and burn him alive. And like a Kentucky Fried Apostle, right? It didn't, it didn't work. He just kept bobbing up. Nothing was happening to him. So like they're like, you know, he's like, Domitian's like, you know what? Send him to the Isle of Patmos. Get him out of here. Banish him. Let him die. Let him rot on that island. But here he is. Here's John on the Isle of Patmos in this place of isolation as an elderly man breaking rocks or whatever he was doing out there, this prison island. And there he is in, in this place of isolation. And what did he receive? The greatest Revelation. And maybe that's you this morning. You feel like, I'm so isolated. I'm all alone in this thing. Listen, the Lord loves you. He, again, he wants to reveal himself to you in a fresh way that you would see his beauty and his splendor. And so John is the one writing here. And it's, he says, who's he writing to? To the seven churches which are in Asia. Is, is that Asia talking about China and Vietnam? And, is that the Asia we're talking about here? Which Asia are we talking about? Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And so these seven churches were seven literal, historical churches at that time. And they're, if you look at a Bible map, they seem to be almost in kind of this circle. They're almost in a circle. However, seven is the number of completion. Because you, you may be saying, well, wait a minute, Pastor. There was a lot more churches than seven. Weren't there? Yeah, there were a lot more churches. But seven is the number of completion. What do you mean by that? Seven days in a... Week, seven notes in a scale, you musicians. Seven years in the Great Tribulation, also. And so, seven perhaps is a representative number of the church um, overall, in a sense, all the churches, because we see all these churches in chapter two and chapter three, we see them throughout all history, these types of churches. Some people look at those churches as um, seven periods of church history I think it's a stretch personally but I but personally I look at churches today we can find ourselves in any one of those seven churches not only corporately as a church that's why we're praying on Sunday nights for you guys that we would be associated with the church of Philadelphia or Smyrna we don't want to be any other churches some of you know what I'm talking about and we'll get to that later on and so John says here he's writing to these seven churches and individually, we can find ourselves in any one of those churches in our own walk with the Lord, too. So a very important application for us. And he greets um, all these people. He greets us this morning. Grace to you and peace. What's grace? Anybody know what grace is? No. Favor. favor. Yeah, it's... Un, it's here's, the, here's, the, here's a big theological definition. It's undeserved, unearned favor from God for the infinitely ill-deserving. That's a bit. That's a. It's. It's really simply though. God gives you what you don't deserve. Are you with me? God gives you what you don't deserve. I love the acrostic. You guys know what an acrostic is. It's like when you put the each letter of the word has a certain uh, sentence with it. Like grace. G R A C E. G. God's riches at Christ's expense. You guys catch that? Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. So God has given us riches, spiritual riches, at the expense of our Lord because of what he did for us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We get what we don't deserve. Peace. What's peace? He says grace to you and peace. What's peace? Is that the time in between reloading? <laughs> That's peace. peace. Peace is absence of warring. Because when you surrender to Jesus Christ... Guess what? You're no longer at war with God. Before I came to know Jesus, I was at war with God. So were you. I was a child of the devil. That's what the Bible says. That's not too PC. But yeah, if you don't know Jesus today, you're either... Well, here's the deal. You're either a saint or you ain't. There's no in-between ground. Either you're for Jesus or you're against him. There is no middle ground. And so before we come to know the Lord, we're at war. But once we surrender, now we have peace with God, the Bible says, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But also God gives us his peace. Have you experienced the peace of God, brother or sister? Anybody here experience God's peace? Isn't it beautiful? It surpasses all understanding. Listen, the Lord wants us to have that peace continually. Are you with me? Isaiah 26, verse 3 tells us that. God gives perfect peace to the mind that is stayed upon him. Philippians tells us, don't worry about anything. How many of you guys worried this week? Don't need to show hands. How many of you guys were stressed out? Worried? Anxious. Happens, doesn't it? The Lord said, don't worry about anything. But what? Pray about everything but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Lord, I am just, I I don't know how this is going to work out. This is jacked up. But I thank you right now because you are faithful. And I know you're going to work in this situation. I thank you ahead of time for what you're going to do in my life. And what happens? The Bible tells us that we let down our guard. We let down our guard in our heart and in our mind. And it says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mine through Christ Jesus. That's glorious, is it not? That's like, that's like an Altuve home run, by the way. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That's what he promises, perfect peace. So John says here, grace to you and peace from, and notice we get a picture of our triune God, the Trinity right here. Number one from God the Father. What's it say about God the Father? Look what it says to me. By the way, you're thinking, maybe some of, you are thinking, some of you are thinking, well, what's the Trinity? What's that? How is God three in one? It's St. Patrick's Day, isn't it? <laughs> I just saw I saw earlier a couple shirts with that little leafy thing. What's it called? A clover. clover. Thank you. It has how many petals? 3, <gasps> three petals, right? 3 in 1. That's a picture St. Patrick would use that as a metaphor for the Trinity. One clover yet 3 petals. God is 3 in 1. And so we see God the Father number 1. What does it say about him? Who is and what else who was? and who is to come. He is the eternal, listen, He is the eternal, everlasting God. He's always existed. He's with us right now. And guess what? When, where we go, when we move forward in time, He's right there with us. He's waiting for us. Isn't that beautiful? Not only that, He's self-sufficient. He's self-sufficient. What does that mean, Pastor? He needs none of us. He needs nothing. He needs absolutely zero. Zero. He's self-sufficient, but not just that. He's unchanging. Aren't you glad he's unchanging? Because things change. Don't, or, do things change around us pretty quickly? Finances don't change. Jobs change. Friendships change. Things change. Do you know that God doesn't change? He doesn't change. He's eternally faithful. He's eternally good. He's eternally kind and gracious. That's who he is. He doesn't change. His love is unchanging towards you. No matter whether you've been good or bad, you haven't been reading your Bible, you've been reading your Bible, you've been doing your devotions, you haven't been doing your devotions, you've been uh, lame getting to church, you've been coming to church regularly, God loves you the same regardless. He's unchanging. His love is holy. There's no other love like it, you guys. That's God the Father. And then, second, grace and peace come from who? From the seven spirits Who are before His throne. What in the world does that mean, Pastor? Well, seven again is the number of completion. I believe it's speaking of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in all of His fullness. Some see this as a reference. If you're taking notes, I'm going to flip there. Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11. I'm going to flip over there. Isaiah 11. How many references to the Old Testament in this book? 550, roughly. I, this, perhaps, a lot of people view this. Speaking of Jesus the Messiah in verse 1, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So some people view that as seven attributes of the Holy Spirit. Um, Some people say this is, it's talking about back in Revelation chapter one, it's talking about angels there. Well, angels don't give grace and peace, you guys. I see it. the only fit here is the Father, the Spirit, and then third, the Son. Grace and peace from Jesus Christ. Look at verse 5 with me, back in Revelation 1, 5. And, we're, and Jesus is described three ways here. Number one, he's described as what? The faithful witness. Don't you like that? Jesus is faithful. Do you guys appreciate faithfulness? Don't, don't you appreciate a faithful postman? For those of you who still get mail. <laughs> Does anybody here still get mail besides me? Yeah, sweet. Hey, rain or snow? He's delivering his stuff, isn't he? Oh, how about Amazon delivery guy? Is that better for you? For some of you? Aren't you glad he's faithful to deliver your goodies, your stuff? Rain or snow, sleet or hail, whatever, he gets it there. Listen, Jesus is the faithful witness. He is trustworthy, dependable. He's the one who testifies, who bears witness to the facts, to the truth. In fact, If you're taking notes in John chapter 1, Jesus is faithful to reveal to us the Father. It tells us in John chapter 1 verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Did you guys catch that? No one has seen God at any time, but Jesus has revealed him. Jesus has shown us the Father. If you want to know God, look at Jesus. If you want to hear God, listen to Jesus. Look to Jesus. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. In fact, Philip had a question. He said to Jesus, He said, he said to the Lord in uh, John 14, 8, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. We'll be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. I love that. And so Jesus never misrepresents God. He never fails to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Notice he's also called, what does it say in verse 5, the firstborn from the dead. Born, in this case, refers to being made alive. Jesus was the first to rise from the dead, never to die again. He paid, Listen, he paved the way for us to go to heaven because he rose from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus said, listen, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, are you his servant this morning? Are you his servant? Anybody here his servant this morning? Just one or two of you. Hopefully everybody. Are you his disciple, his follower? He says to us, He said, because I live, so too you will live. You no longer need to fear death. Why? Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Because he gave his life in exchange for ours, you guys. And he promised to give life to anyone that trusts in him. He is the resurrection and the life. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's also the ruler over the king's. Of the earth. Did you catch that in verse 5? He's the ruler over the kings of the earth. Jesus has total authority over this world's rulers and leaders. That includes Trump. That includes our Congress. Our Senate. What's the gal's name? Pelosi. Putin. The little guy. What's the guy? North Korea dude? Uh, little rocket man. What's his name again? <laughs> I can't remember his name. <laughs> Jung Yoon Kim. Yeah, Young Jun Kim. Something like, young Joon Kim. Sorry. Something like that. Listen, Jesus rules over him. You know what that means? No one is greater in that he calls the shots. Jesus calls the shots. He is in control. Listen, we don't have to stress out. Anybody ever stress out like watching the news lately, reading the news? Oh. Do you know that we know the end, the result? As we study through Revelation, we know how it ends. Jesus won. We win. We're going to be with him for all eternity. So why are you stressing? I'm not stressing. I'm not stressing. (laughs) (laughs) He's in control. The problem is we don't like to let go of our control. (laughs) Control. Control. We don't want to get rid of our control. Let him control your life. Say, Lord, here's my life. Fully and completely. You can rest. You don't need to be all stressed out and you know, going off the Richter scale with your heart and blood pressure. You can be at rest no matter what's going on. Jesus rested in the midst of the storm. Why? How could Jesus sleep in the middle of a storm? How how could he be sleeping? He took a pillow. Knowing there's going to be a storm, he took a pillow with him on board. Is it that ever blow anybody away? Jesus, what are you taking a pillow for? I'm going to take a nap. Here comes the wind. Boats getting tossed around. It wasn't the storm that woke him up, it was the disciples that woke him up. Hey, with me, how do you rest in the midst of a storm? Because you know that you've entrusted your will to the Father's will. Not my will be done, but your will. My life is in your hands. I do those things to please you. My will is to do the will. My will is to do. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. I can rest. Do you know that this morning? We know the end. You can rest. We don't need to trip out, freak out, get sketch out. Do you realize you can rest this morning? Does that that encourage you? Hopefully. It did, John. You know what? This encouraged John so much, he breaks out in worship. Look at the next part of the verse. It's a doxology. Remember last week, there's 16 doxologies in the New Testament. They're an expression of praise to God. He breaks out in spontaneous praise for all the great things that Jesus has done. Now, look at what it says. To Him, look at the middle of verse 5. To Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood and has made us kings and priests, To His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. Amen. To Jesus, who what? Who loved us. Do you know that God loves you? Do you know that God loves you? Do you believe that? You do? Do you know that God loves you no matter what? Do you know that He relentlessly pursues you? Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, shall hunt me down, literally, all the days of my life. He displays his care time and time again in your life and in my life. He loves you so much. He loves you with an everlasting love. But you know what? Here, love is in the past tense. Look what it says. To him who loved us. That's referring to that one event in history. Jesus took the punishment we deserved upon himself. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. 1 John, John, the epistle 3.16 tells us, by this we know love, that he gave his life for us. You want to be reminded of his love? All you have to do is take one look back to the cross and say, wow, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you did for me. You died for me. You hung on the cross For me, he washed us. Look at this. Second, he washed us from our sins. How? In his own blood. When we trusted in Jesus, guess what? We've been blood bathed. That word washed means to loose or to cleanse from dirt. We are entirely, completely cleansed from all our sins because Jesus gave his life for us. Does that make you want to worship? He washed you of all your sins and clothed you in a robe of righteousness. Does that excite you guys? Does that stir you to worship? Altuve, home run. Thank you, Lord. That should cause us to go, wow, thank you. Because some of us, we deal deal with those past sins haunting us sometimes. Lord, am I forgiven of that? But I did this. Lord, I defiled you with this body. I hurt that person. I ruined that person. Lord, that- all, listen, all those things are forgiven. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because your sins have been washed away. You've been cleansed. Because of his precious blood, because he gave his life, he poured out his life for you and for me. And then he made us something. Look at this, every one of us, he made us, plural, made us what? No hierarchy here. Equality at the foot of the cross. He made us what? Kings and priests to his God and Father. He's put a calling on our lives and given us the privilege to serve him. Some Bible translations say a kingdom of priests. What does a priest do? Think about it with me. What does a priest do? A priest in the Old Testament represented God to the people and the people to God. That means we represent the Lord wherever we go. We are, Peter said we are a kingdom of priests, you guys. A royal priesthood. It's Jesus who's given us a calling. It's Jesus who gave us this special role, not only now, but for all eternity. And so that makes us pretty special, by the way. And John's overwhelmed, because look what he says right at the end of the verse. To him be glory, praise, honor, worth, value, and dominion, strength forever and ever. Amen. Does that provoke you to praise, guys? It does me. If not this morning, if that doesn't provoke you to praise I would encourage you to take a long, meditative, and hard look at Jesus hanging on a cross for you. To look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who despised the shame for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross for you and for me. If that doesn't stir your heart, if you don't have a pulse spiritually right now, I encourage you to look to Jesus to get your eyes on Him, to be reminded of all that He did, has done for you. And He says, look at this, Behold, verse 7. we got two verses. we got time. Behold means check it out. He is coming. You know the Lord's coming? Yes. Behold, He is coming. How? With clouds. And every eye will see Him, even they who pierced Him, And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, and the church said, Amen. 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 There we go. Awesome. Listen, the idea that Jesus is coming is central to the New Testament. Jesus said he's coming back to be ready for his return. And some people are like, well, it's been 2,000 years, man. And some people even mock. Peter talked about that. But his coming has been delayed. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. Peter said he's not slacking off. He wants more people to come into his kingdom, to be part of his family. Some of us, aren't you glad he didn't come like 10 years ago? 20? (laughs) Because you've been saved since then. You've given your life to him. Now you're part of the family. You're heading to heaven. And listen, it's important to to understand there's a difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth to set up his kingdom. The rapture, Jesus will come, listen, he will come for his bride, for us, and we we will meet him in the air, and we will go to that place that he's been preparing for us in the Father's house. Are you with me? He will come like a thief in the night. His second coming, Revelation 19 and 20, he'll come To this earth, touch down, he will set up his kingdom upon this earth for 1,000 years. He came the first time as a suffering, suffering servant. He'll come the second time as a conquering king. Make no doubt about it. And when he comes, notice what it says he'll come with clouds, with power, and majesty. I don't have time to look up this verse and read it. Take it down yourself. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. Awesome cross reference here. Clouds also may be speaking of the people of God, Hebrews chapter 12, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. But it says back here in Revelation 1 7, that every eye will see him. All eyes will see Jesus. This will be a global recognition. We're not talking about Facebook Live. We're not talking about checking it out on your iPhone or your iPad or some other virtual stuff. You know what's going to happen? Jesus said, Matthew 24, God's going to turn out the lights. Imagine that on all earth, no light. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jesus in all of his glory, all of his splendor. Every eye will see him. He'll be the only light. And guess who's riding with him? Guess who's riding with them on white horses? Guess who? We are, we're going to be cruising on horses. I don't know how to ride. I can ride a wave. I can't ride no horse, but I can't wave. Some of you good old boys can give me seven years. We'll have time to talk about it. Even they, Every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. Who pierced Jesus? This is not a trick question. I think there's a couple of different ways to answer this. Zechariah 12.10 tells us the Jews did. Isaiah 53 tells us we all pierced him. Our sins. He was pierced for us. All the tribes of the earth, every nation, all people groups will be literally, listen, cut to the heart. Why? Literally convulsing, weeping. Why are they going to be cut to the heart? When Jesus comes back, second coming. Because this world will be so anti-God, anti-Christ, that when Jesus comes, it will be a major bummer for them. It will be painful. There will be no grace. It will be all judgment. And they will recognize and realize that they're guilty of the blood of Jesus Christ and there's no second chances. Even so, surely... That's the truth, so be it. And then our last verse, we've got two minutes. Can we do it? Yes, we can. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. The beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. You know what Jesus is saying there? He's claiming deity, God incarnate, that he's eternal, unchanging, immutable, all-powerful. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Amen. He doesn't change. He does not change. He is trustworthy. What are you trusting? Who are you trusting in this morning? What are you trusting in? What are you leaning upon? What are you building your life upon? Are you building your life upon Jesus, his words, and doing it? Are you building your house on the rock this morning? He's unchanging. What are you investing in? Are you investing in him, his kingdom, storing up your treasures in heaven? He's unchanging. He is the Lord Almighty. He is powerful. There is no one more powerful. Listen, he's the source of power. Do you believe he's able? Do you believe he can in your life? Do you believe that? Listen, Jesus is the point of this book. If you miss Jesus, you've missed it all. (laughs) It's all about Jesus. Do you know there's, I'm going to finish because i got 30 seconds. I can do it. In this book, there are 36 different names and descriptions of Jesus. I'm going to read them. You ready? This is so awesome. And if you're you're taking notes, I don't know, I'm going to speak pretty quick. You can get the, I'll give it to you afterwards. (laughs) i got them here written down. Ready? 36 names and descriptions of our Lord and Savior. Number one, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, the alpha and the omega, the first and last, the son of man, he that lives and was dead, he that holds the seven stars, he who walks in the midst of the golden lampstands, He who has the sharp two-edged sword, the Son of God. Jesus is he who searches the minds and the hearts. He is the one that has the seven spirits of God. He's the one that has the seven stars. He is the one who is holy and true. He has the key of David. He's the one that opens and no man shuts. He's the one that shuts and no man opens. He's the amen the faithful and true witness. He's the beginning of the creation of God. He's the Lord. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, the Lamb as though it had been slain. He's the Lamb, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the faithful and true, the rider of the white horse, the Word of God, Christ, the Lord God of the Holy Prophets, the beginning and the end the bright and morning star. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning. What else can we say? You are so great, so greatly to be praised as we've lifted up our hands and our voices a praise offering to you, Lord. And we look forward to that day of being around your throne and worshiping you. We see dimly now, as through a glass, but in that day face to face, thank you for the promise that you'll wipe away every tear. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more difficulty. No more stress. No more terrorism. No more darkness and evil. But being in that place that you've prepared for us. With you, Lord. Because you gave your life for us. That we might have life life abundant, life eternal. Thank you so much, Jesus. We honor you, we praise you, we bless you. Receive our praise, receive our adoration this morning. And as we gather together afterwards for a time of fellowship and breaking bread, thank you that you're right in the midst of all of, all of our time together. That's where you deserve to be, right in the middle of it all. Number one, in our hearts, our homes, and in your church. Thank you so much for ministering to our hearts.